I think the enemy wants to get you married fast so you can get unmarried quick. And um, and so and so for me, I would just encourage the singles out there. Hey, a year is nothing compared to forever. Now, you can't hear that right now, but I'm begging you to. What's up, you guys? It's Kate and JJ, and we have a new episode today about a topic that I am sincerely so glad we are covering. We're talking about the quote unquote red flag of being previously divorced or having kids. And yeah, I'm really excited to get into this with our special guest, Sam Collier today. Yeah. And this red flag has changed over time, but I yeah. think Sam might have given one of the best explanations and ways to view divorce and who someone is today. He has such a unique background. He's so great. With lots of experience from as a child and as a pastor and as a friend who's been around divorce for quite some time now yep. in the Bible Belt and the South and charismatic circles and Protestant circles. Yeah amazing story and experience to speak on divorce yeah today is important to listen obviously if you are somebody who's been divorced or has kids but especially for those who like are maybe considering dating someone with who's been divorced who has kids or somebody who maybe would never have considered that i really you especially if you're listening right now i really want you to tune in today because it's such a good episode All right. So some quick announcements is it's almost the end of September and we have about 77 patrons and we would love for you guys to help us get up. Our goal was 300, but even if we could get to 100 by the end of September, we would be thrilled. Uh, You can go to patreon.com forward slash heart of dating. You can join for as low as $5 a month. And with that $5, you get a bonus episode every month, which by the way, we just launched one this last Monday about... What is it about, babe? It was actually good. Yeah, what was it? I actually liked it. It was on Christian celebrities and celebrity pastors. Yeah, it was like what we really think about Christian celebrities and Christian pastors. And we left it on the cliffhanger because I started talking about Carl Lentz and my personal relationship with him. And then... If you want to find out more, you got to listen via Patreon, which helps support our podcast. Uh, Another huge announcement this week is what, babe? We are live for HODC tickets, baby. Yes, we are, honey. Early bird tickets are live. Listen, we have the most awesome reviews and testimonials of conference. People love coming in and seeing Kate and I or the wonderful speakers or the awesome worship. But most importantly, people love hanging out with one another. Yeah, they do. And so we've heard you guys. We've crafted everything at conference this year to really involve community. Like Kate and I personally don't like sitting through keynote after keynote after keynote after keynote. Yeah. (laughs) So we're changing the format, even how we're doing the keynotes or the interviews. It's much more casual, much more engaging. And most importantly, there's just lots of lots of time built out for people to interact and meet one another. That is the top goal. 
And I, when we say meet, we're not necessarily talking about meet your significant other. We're talking about meet other singles and be inspired by their stories. We also just added a new speaker, the one and only Mia Fields. Let's go. Which, oh my gosh, y'all. I am so pumped about this because when I was single, I listened to her story. And if you have not heard it, just Google Mia Fields story. It will come up. I'm sure. And I think she spoke it first at C3 Church in New York like years ago. But anyway, this story blew my mind and it encouraged me so much. And I'm just so honored to now get to have her at conference. She's going to share some of her story and she's going to lead us in some ministry time, which by the way, this conference is going to have so much awesome worship and ministry time. I just can't wait. So anyway, I'm super pumped about Mia being there. It's such an honor. So early bird tickets are on sale now at hodcnash.com. You can get your early bird ticket up until October 31st. And just so y'all know, we will sell out in general. Like we sold out last year and we definitely will sell out this year. Very last thing, you guys, we're in a season on red flags and we want to tell you that we have a free resource for you. It's how to spot red flags. So you can go to heartofdating.com forward slash resource forward slash red flags to download that free resource. All right, let's do our question from our Patreon community. We have a question from Keegan. Let's hear it, Keegan. I'm talking to a girl right now, and we met like in grad school. She loves Jesus, and I'm really attracted to her. And we're we would be long distance at the moment if we were to start a relationship, right? Uh, but right now, like I'm super busy with life. She's super busy with life. I think there's interest on her end, and there's definitely interest on my end. I just don't want, you know, we talked about talked about slow burn before. I don't want that little flicker of a flame to die out. Um, so, like, I guess my question is, how would you best, how would you go about best, like, maintaining continual communication so that you, you still, like, show that you're interested? Because, um, like, we still haven't met in person. We meant to, like, three weeks ago, but just ended up not. Um, so, like, how could... How could a guy like me, you know, who's trying to lead in in a potential relationship, continue communicating and by intent, and, but not like being too just over the top with it, you know? So I guess that's my question. Okay, great question. I love it. I love how you guys take some of these concepts and you really run with them, like slow burn versus ignition, and you kind of treat this as like, but you kind of want to keep this little fire alive. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it. I'd say first and foremost, we always think that we have to lock down somebody, that we have to really assert our control and make sure that like we are making this happen, where there is a reality that like, hey, if this is who God has for you, you don't have to lock down anybody, right? You don't have to force a thing. And there's definitely a time, and I think it's wisdom to recognize, right person, maybe wrong time. Mm-hmm. We're both extremely busy. We just don't have the capacity to bandwidth to date. That doesn't mean it's not on the table for the future. But at this current moment, like I'm not asking her tomorrow to go on a date with me. This is tough because really you're friends, but you like her more than a friend. And that's a really difficult place to be. That can turn into a friendationship. Exactly. And I'd say emotionally, that's probably one of the hardest places for Christian singles to be is in these emotional crushes, friendationships, because we can very easily get distracted. Like this person consumes our thought life, our free time. We're constantly checking their Instagram. Like they are just like pervasively 
involved in our headspace. Yeah, totally. So I would say number one is you kind of have to be really clear up front. Like if I like her more than a friend, how can I remain still friends with her and not be consistently obsessed, infatuated, Mm -hmm. really, really checking in. Like she's occupying way more space because if she is, I would say you probably need to get to a place where you need to resolve just to be friends and nothing more. Yep. Or you need to ask her out regardless of how busy you guys are. Cause here's the reality. Maybe this is the nudge you needed. If you guys are both busy, you can still make time for what's important. And I would say the best alternative is finding out as soon as possible whether or not she likes you. And if she likes you back, then great. Guess what? You guys can start dating long distance. You can keep it pretty easy and casual. You can go on a few FaceTime dates and then you can get that slow. Right. And then you get that slow burn and then you get that first person in visit after a month, maybe two most, Mm -hmm. uh, and then see where it goes. But the worst alternative for anyone in a foundationship is I like this person from afar, from a distance, and I'm just emotionally infatuated and obsessed with them for months and months and months, maybe even years for some people. I'm trying to maintain that. Right. But you don't even know if they're interested on the other side. Exactly. And then next thing you know, it's like they are more important and consume more of your thought life and emotional life than Jesus himself. And then they come and tell you, hey, I actually met someone and now I'm in a relationship. And you're devastated. whoa wait a second i I never told them i even liked them but i've had these feelings this whole time right that's worst case scenario but great question i would just say you know you needed to kind of decide you're at this fork in the road just friends or do i start making a move yeah keegan great question thank you so much we love that you are a patron it means the world all right let's get into our episode today with sam He's in the house. I'm What's excited up? to be in the building. My man, we just saw you last weekend. Literally a few days Listen, ago. Not, not only did we see each other, we we broke bread. We broke bread. That's right. You you stole my shoes. <laughs> I know. He's so salty about that. <gasps> if you don't hey, have them, baby, you can always send them back. You got to be quicker than that, bro. We announced you from stage. I know. I oh, loved it. Story on Sunday was so good. This is a little mini reunion. This Sunday was a mini reunion from conference. Like even it people was. listening right now are probably like, oh my gosh, Sam. We story. know this guy. And <laughs> it was so special. And seeing the story fam this Sunday was just so sentimental. It was so sweet this weekend. You guys have such a special community in Atlanta. Wow. Such a special Well, people love community. y'all and... I mean, it was no way we, I mean, if y'all are in the room, we're saying they're in the room because our people just love you so much. They're just like, hey, JJ, you know, it's, it's y'all, are, y'all are a part of our family. And I know you're a part of so many other families. I mean, we're all a part of the body of Christ, but, um, but y'all are really, a, you know, we consider y'all family and you've let, you've marked our church, you've blessed our church. I've never said this publicly. I've said this to you privately, but like y'all, you know, y'all decided to lock arms with us and I would, I would say, you know, help us. And we know it all, it got difficult during that time to find a venue. Yes. And like, <laughs> we went through a lot. We, pay, <laughs> we paid the hard yards to make this happen. But the time that y'all, you know, the, the moment y'all decided to lock arms with you, we needed it more than you needed us. And I don't know if that was a, if y'all knew that, I imagine maybe you did, but like we were just coming out of 
a, a dark season of transition as we change church names, right? From Hillsong to Story Church, Love Hillsong. Not, I'm not endorsing any. Okay, let's keep going. Yeah, no, With no, that, no, we get to you. <laughs> I'm grateful for what they contributed to us, but it was it was tough, you know, coming into a new season, and now God has established story. You, I mean, JJ's wearing the brand um, as its own and he does thing. All the time. Yes, yes, but y'all helped us so much, and you'll you'll ne- when when things are great. I mean, everybody's there. When things are, you know, rocky and rebuilding, it's you can be hard to find friends. And that's when you need people the most, actually. Yeah. And yeah. so love y'all. Thank y'all. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, we got to just continue the same shout out back to story. And if y'all have are in Atlanta around, you can live stream it. Like, please at least I don't want you to leave your church like if you're really rooted but I would just go and check out story because there's something really phenomenal happening at story like seeing it on Sunday I was like yeah oh my gosh there is and we experience it at church or at conference but like what you guys are yeah. building your community your worship the holy yep. spirit moving yep. it's very unique you don't find and I've been to a lot of churches I've been a lot of part of different kinds of communities but what you guys have is very unique. And actually the story you told at church on Sunday, Sam, about how, you know, the Lord led you to this and you were trying to just help other people along the way. You're like, Hey, you should build, we should, you should build this kind of church. It doesn't exist. And they're like, no. And you wanted to build this church that didn't exist. And now I get to witness you actually following that call and seeing that church that I think really, I have never really witnessed a church like that. I mean, we should probably do a study on uh, single service churches because you guys have the ability, right, to just be open mm. to the Holy Spirit. And hey, this is God's agenda for the day, not ours, yeah. right? And we don't have an 11 o'clock service that we got to get out of here for. Right. So I think just, you know, the body that makes up your church, the people, listen, we have people coming up to us saying, hey, when's next conference? We, we want to serve. I'm like, you know, it's not in Atlanta. And they're like, yeah, I don't care. I'll drive wherever I need to drive to. I'll fly oh wherever God. I need to fly to, to come serve because you guys impacted us that much. Oh. And so that culture is not an accident. And I just love being around the believers of your church who are hungry yeah. and energetic to serve. Like yeah. they are not there to say, what can I get out of the Sunday message? What can I complain about? They're like, how can I serve? Yeah. How can I show up? And so we love that culture. I mean, you are family. We felt like family when we were visiting, you know, and um, on your note, I, I was, uh, I watched John Wick 4 the other day. Okay. And they have this cool scene in there. Can't condone the violence. Uh, <laughs> but he goes, uh, basically his friend was, was sacrificing his life for another friend. And he goes, friendship means very little when it's convenient. And I think mm. that's exactly what you were alluding to friendship and relationship means very little when it's convenient. Yeah. Right. And we had no idea the situation you were in. I think that's just God's sovereignty, uh, and a way of blessing you guys, uh, for your obedience. But you know, that was the best partner because it was the perfect partner because that's the partner that God willed. Yeah. And you know, the, the conference at that time in place with you guys was not an accident. No. Nothing about oh, that was an accident. So, so 
But today will be fun because usually, you know, we're either giving each other like a prophetic word or we're joking around <laughs> and, you know, going back and forth, giving each other advice. <laughs> We've never done a podcast episode. Yet. I know. After all of our conversations, I know. this is going to be so fun. I know. And uh, Sam, for those who are new to you and your story, do you maybe want to give uh, like a minute background specifically on you and your beautiful wife, Tony, your new son, Apostle Sam, your new son, Sammy, and then your daughter, inherited daughter, who goes by Dylan and who is so precious. Want to give us some background, you know, before we jump in. Yeah, I, I will. You know, I've told this story a lot you know, over the, over the years as we have been doing, I mean, so much media and press and all of that. So I've had to learn how to say this story in like two minutes. Yeah. And so I can do it. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, um, raised on Auburn Avenue, birthplace of civil rights. Dad had the oldest business on Auburn for a long time, barbershop right across the street from the King Center. I didn't realize that I was growing up across from the above ground tombs of MLK and Coretta. Um, ended up being in deep relationship with his daughter, Dr. Um, Bernice King, um, for about three or four years. And, and now we're still family. Um, and so I didn't know that that would happen, but got my first record deal when I was 16 at a church called New Birth. Transition out of there, did some things with Universal and NDRE and music. God called me out of music into ministry um, and got my first ministry job at Ebenezer, which is the church I grew up across the street from, but had never been to, where MLK pastored and his father pastored. After that, transitioned over to be on staff at New Birth. After New Birth, I went to be in leadership and a part of the family um, uh, in terms of speaking and hosting and all of that at North Point Community Church with Andy Stanley for eight years. After wow. eight years of that, from Pentecostal ministry to kind of tradition, not traditional, but I guess theologically Baptist is North Point because his dad, Charles Stanley, who rest in peace, right, um, was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for a long time. Obviously, one of the most well-known televangelists in our world. After that, started missing the Pentecostal flair, went to Hillsong for nine months only, and planted Hillsong Atlanta as their first African-American pastor, and then transitioned after nine months. I always like to say Hillsong birthed Story Church because it was nine months of incubation. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy media stuff. And then we birthed uh, Story Church, and now it's been about a little over a year, so maybe about a year and a couple months as story officially is here. We've doubled in size. We've doubled in revenue. And now we're building our first building. Thank the Lord. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. I'm so And you and Tony specifically, I'm going to put you on the spot. How long have yeah. you guys been married? And then married. Yeah, were you dating year. that whole time from like 16? No. Okay. <laughs> You weren't. You weren't a big serial dater. No, we actually have a lot to say about this. Um, we met at North Point when she was she had come out of a divorce. And we got married fast. I mean, I would never. This is why this episode is going to be really um, <laughs> great. <laughs> because 
our, we would never recommend anyone to do it the way we did it ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we dated, got married two months after like her coming out of this divorce season it was crazy. Yes. And then I say we got remarried six months later. We literally got remarried six months later. Yeah. So first two months and it was like, ah, and then we were like, okay, we, we actually need to do a, we eloped. Long story. Yes. Then we got married six months later at North Point. (laughs) We went through the whole, we did a whole ministry tour. We talked to all of our leaders. It was a lot. We had a lot of trauma at the time in terms of church trauma. So we didn't really feel like we could talk to people. She was in this space. Honestly, let me just put it like this. Beyonce has a song. We'll talk about this later called Drunk in Love. Yes. I've been drinking. I've been drinking. (laughs) 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 It's her and Jay-Z. That is literally out. When we hear that song, we're like, oh my gosh, that was us. Drunk in Love. And then we got sober and said, we need to get remarried. So then we got remarried six months later at North Point. 300 people came to the ceremony. In the ceremony, Reggie Joyner, who married us, um, said, man, we're, we're all so excited that we were invited to this wedding because we weren't invited to the first one. <laughs> and so the, ultimately, the crowd erupted. They were like, but it's you so know, funny. So, um, that's so hilarious. that's our story, bro. Oh my gosh. And we've okay. been married, eight, we've been married eight years. So I got our first you. marriage, I think three years. Yes. So, yes. And I know Tony's full story and she's been on the podcast before and shared bits about that too. Um, but I have to ask you before you like met Mary, Tony, crazy story. Cause I think there's a lot to learn from like maybe what you guys didn't do in your relationship and process of dating. Right. But before, did you have any preconceived ideas or assumptions about people who had been divorced in the church, like Christians who had been divorced. Um, well, especially in like a romantic capacity. In a romantic way. Like, like you were single, you're looking to maybe date, right? And yeah. I, our people are, ha, are single and they're looking to date. And I do hear a lot of chatter in our community that I find very unfortunate about people who are like, no, I'd never considered somebody who was divorced. Like, I want to start with the divorce thing. And then I want to talk about the kids thing. But I want to start with, I kind of want to segment yeah. them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Did you have any preconceived ideas about that? Oh, man. Um, so I'm going to answer this question a few ways. Yes and no. Um, I was on stage at the time a lot um, at a at a big church, which I was at North Point at the time. So it was really important for me to to be on the up and up and to be integral. And I met her before she got divorced. I met her before that. And so it actually was through a friend of mine who wanted to plant a church. And he was collaborating with her already on it because she had helped plant a few churches. And so I met her at that meeting. And that's how we kind of developed a friendship. And I actually tried to get her to go back <laughs> to her husband. <laughs> it's a long story. Cause I'm in pastor mode, you know. I'm right. like, hey, is there is there is there any way we, you can make this work? You're like, you know? God has a heart for reconciliation. <laughs> and Malachi, he hates divorce, like Tony. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, I'm that. I'm giving her everything. She will tell you the story, and because I wouldn't have been able to live with myself. One, well, I was just doing the pastor thing, but also I think in hindsight, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I hadn't done that. Like, hey, how do we 
can I partner with you and your husband to fix your marriage? Because, and I invited him. I was like, hey, invite him to North Point. And I told all my leaders. And um, that actually came back to help us um, during our journey because we, I had been open about everything. And I'm always about transparency and about, you know, because we got married so fast. It was like, what y'all doing, you know? And they were like, no, he did it right. We knew she was going separated, divorced. We we knew when she when it was finalized. We because I was like, I can't lose what I'm doing. So um, so my point, so yes, I, I tried to get her to go back. <laughs> and when she told the story of what was going on with them, and you know, pastorally, I said, Well, I can't ask somebody or or demand or even lead somebody back into that. Um so I'll just and and I won't tell you to get divorced or not to get a divorce. I'll just say, you know, I could never lead you to, you know, that's my pastoral advice. <laughs> and then I got then I backed out. Right. And so um, everything about Tony's situation said, no, don't do this. Right. And, and not the spirit, but everything about what I wrote down and wanted to do it was like kid i don't want no kid right. you know what i'm saying uh, okay like, this is like in sam's mind yes yeah i love dylan now like i love like dylan is you know a daughter of mine right um it, it divorced ah she's been through this before like so everything on paper was like ugh, like right so um so so to answer that your initial question i had a little bit of that for sure um, but the other thing that I also had going on that I find really interesting, you know, y- y- y'all, I think y'all know personally about my story a little bit. We haven't talked extensively, but I got adopted when mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. two months old. Yeah. So um, me and my twin sister, born into extreme poverty, all of that. Yeah. Rescue. I mean, in every sense of the word. I, I talk to uh, whenever I do adoption conferences and and uh, foster care seminars and all that. I'm always telling the parents, and they never want to hear it. I'm like, y'all are heroes. Yeah. You know, they never want to hear that because they're like, we're not doing it for that. Like, we we love our kids. Like, we're yeah. they, they're heroes to us. I'm like, yeah, I got it. But <laughs> I wouldn't be who I am right without right. my parents. Yeah. And they sa- they literally saved my life. The kicker is, when they adopted us, it was my dad's third marriage. And when they had, and when they adopt and when they had, and when they adopted us, it was my mother's second marriage. So they actually met a similar way that me and Tony met. But aside from, I had I had never been married, but they met when they both were kind of going through these divorces. Um, and then they started dating and gave their life to Christ. And then he started renewing their story. Gave them a fresh start. And then my dad is in his 50s. So to think about my dad getting saved for the first time in his 50s and starting pretty much starting a new life and going, I did it. I always, you know, the the my sermon way of saying it is both of them in their minds said, we've done it our way long enough. Let's try it God's way. So so me and my sister, right, broke all statistics and defied all the odds based on what what they said we were supposed to be. So when it comes to my thought on divorce, it's like, I don't hate my parents, you know? And I grew up in a healthy home. 
And in, in an ama- there was no trauma in the home. I mean, you know, you go through stuff with parents, right? You have stuff all the time. Um, but but for the most part, it was a Christian home. They were at every basketball game, every cheerleading match. My dad's picking up from school. Mom, do it. it was a home, Christian home. So a black Christian home. So um, so yes and no. I mean, that's awesome because, and it's pretty rare actually to have that kind of snapshot of a maybe healthy remarried or multiple remarried, you know, relationship that is your mom and dad. I mean, that is such a unique story because Sam, I grew up in the South. My parents are missionaries, like definitely an evangelical traditional upbringing. And I can tell you maybe two or three rules that I was preached. (laughs) And one of them was if they're divorced, it's see you later. Like not even an option. Like there's clearly like the mark of the beast on their forehead, like hold up your wooden cross and run away because that is not for you. I'm like, and it just brings me so much sadness to see how that just is a cultural preaching, not a biblical preaching. But um, I love that perspective. Yeah. I don't think that God is excited by divorce by any means. Like he loves the covenant of marriage. But I mean, this is like the whole thing on is divorce okay? And I would say, obviously, people are like, only if there's cheating, only if there's cheating. But I do think in cases of abuse, like there are cases to be made 100%. And um, to ask somebody to stay in an environment where they're being abused in any capacity severely is like horrendous. And so I don't think, I think God grieves in divorce. And I do think that divorce can be a really appropriate thing in certain circumstances. I do not think divorce should be used as an easy way out, right? And that's where you see divorce in culture. And we live in Orange County where the divorce rate is what, over 80%? It's 72. 72%. Okay, there you go. Over 70% is so high in Orange County, California. It is ridiculously high. So it's like things get hard on to the next wife, you know? And that's obviously the bad use case for divorce. And I would say like a very simple use case for divorce. Well, we might have to have a part two, Sam, to have you on to talk about the biblical case and grounds for divorce because... Well, I do want to establish something while we're here, yeah. just as the conversation. It's um, and it's not necessarily going to be the biblical perspective. It might be. Mm-hmm. I want to give you the combination of the biblical and therapeutic perspective, and yeah. I wanted to bring that to the conversation. I don't want to get into the theological side because it starts to get really crazy. But this is produced out of the, the- out, of, out of theology. Yeah. Basically, every therapist I've spoken to, and I would say. Progressive is not the right word, but conservatively progressive. Mm-hmm. Right. I get <laughs> pastors. You. These are pastors that still believe in traditional marriage, yet they've evolved in their theology, right? Um, this is not necessarily affirming, right? And when we know this is not affirming theology, like there's hyper liberalism and then there's hyper conservatism. I like to call it the reasonable, right? The most reasonable pastors <laughs> and theologians have arrived at some theological conclusions in combination with therapists around grounds for divorce based on Bible and sociology and the two. So these are Christian therapists that have the, the um, theological degrees and psychological degrees because here's what we know there's a lot of gray in the bible there's a lot of black and white but there's like there's no scripture for porn 
in terms of that says porn because right. there was or no computer, right? Or yeah, there's certain <laughs> right. terms that just are not in the Bible. Yeah, they're for sure. not necessarily online dating, there. not in the Bible. Online dating and the whole concept of it, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so what we're having to do in our world today is is determine and extract the heart of God in a modern world based on based on an ancient text. And so what I'm going to give you now, <laughs> just really quick, it's, it's very simple. Four is four words, and they're all A's around divorce. Um, adultery, addiction, abuse, abandonment. So let's do it again. Adultery, addiction, abuse, abandonment. I don't want to get into a theological discussion about all of that, but those four categories based on therapists, walking with couples, and then based on um, uh, uh, reasonable theologians that are that have studied this deeply, they've arrived at these four conclusions, that if you're in one of these boxes, um, based on scripture and based on sociology and scripture combined, it's grounds for divorce. In other words, would the heart of God say stay in this? If one of those four things. That's existed. essentially right, right. And, and when you get to abuse, that's where it gets a little muddy. And th this is where, because I counsel couples in this all of the time. Um, and what, what you're basically having to do with couples is sit down with them and, and, and get in the mud and see the pain and the, and the, and the despair and the destruction that has happened to each one of them based on this situation they found themselves in. We have to understand, I'm, I'm, and I'm done with this, I feel like I'm preaching. We, we have to understand um, that we're living in a fallen world and in a broken state and people take their brokenness and get married. And when you take their, your brokenness and you get married, now all of a sudden, you have kids. I know. I know. I know. I'm going to give a story. You you, you have kids that are now ra raised in this brokenness, and then they become broken. And that's not the heart of God. Uh, I, I know. If, I know um, a friend of mine right now who his dad was abusing his mom because he should have left the mom a long time ago because they were all they were all they were unequally yoked. I mean, all types of things, but unequally yoked and Christians which we'll, we'll come back to that later. And it got so dark, the turmoil, that he started hitting her, touched the sister, and he's raised in this trauma, listen to me, and they're still together. Uh, they're living in separate homes. Wow. Still married because they said, I'll never get a divorce. Well. And yeah, so I'm just saying, we've, so we have two problems and we're done with this. We have two problems in our church. We're telling people to stay too long and we're letting people leave too soon. Yes, 100%. That's probably the best way I've ever heard it put. Yeah. So that's my theological moment because somebody was wondering it. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, we I were, mean it, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Like I, I didn't even think about addiction, but I mean, that's literally part of my familial story. So that is a very, very yeah. pertinent and is a big part of that as well. And yeah, I think so when I hear back to to when I see in our community, somebody's like, no, like if they're divorced, like I can't even believe that. And without any curiosity, without any 
seeking to understand. For me, that is a big issue. And and to also assume they're divorced, they must have all these issues, I think also is potentially a really <laughs> poor indicator of if somebody has a lot of issues. They might have a lot of healing that needs to be done. It doesn't necessarily mean divorced people are automatically so traumatized, broken people that are unqualified from dating ever again. Yeah, well... The foundation of this episode is this. Every divorce is so uniquely different that there is no way to compare one divorced person to another. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way. Yeah. It, it is case. absolutely case by case. Like there are no two divorce cases that are perfectly similar. Mm -hmm. There's not. And it is... Uh, it is the wild, wild west of brokenness, clashing with brokenness, ending in divorce. And um, so, Sam, you know, being in the church and having so much experience within your your family and church experiences across the Pentecostals to the Baptists, the Reformed theology, the progressive reform, the reasonable, uh, do you feel like the church with the capital C um, has changed in making safe space for those who have experienced divorce? Do you see that narrative and kind of that wave change in the last 20 years? Um, because divorce is kind of, I feel like at this point, way less taboo culturally in the church than it ever has been before in some ways. And it's increasingly growing. Um, you know, just some statistics on divorce, 23% of all singles are divorced. Right. And I think you can argue whether or not that's going up or down uh, on whether or not it's a Christian right audience. And then the second one is that 45% of marriages end in divorce. It's 45 to 50%. And depending on, you know, the best marker they have is how frequently they attend church with the more frequently they attend church, the divorce rate goes down. But cultural Christianity, the divorce rate mirrors the cultural divorce rate, which is crazy uh, in a lot of ways. So, but do you feel like it's changed culturally how we've appro approached, you know, individuals who have experienced divorce? Yes. You know, and I, I say reasonable, you know, the category of the reason that's a cap, that's a big category for our church. And also in the Christian leader space, it's, you know, I, Anything hyper, anything to me is dangerous. I just, yeah. anything hyper liberal, it's like, anything hyper conservative, <laughs> that, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's me on the political end and on the um, theological end. Um, you know, I, I, I like to, I like to, I would not consider myself a liberal conservative, you know, in terms of theologically or politically. The, politically, I would say I'm purple. Yeah. Um, blue and red together, but um, but theologically, I probably would lean more conservative. So conservative with liberal tendencies, right? Yeah. Or like uh, progressive <laughs> conservative. Yeah. Or con but conservative first, right? Right. Yeah. And so is I got to put that one first. <laughs> I know progressive conservatives, and it's different. And then ah, I would probably okay. Lean here. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Um, but so so with that said, uh, I think. You, the reasonable category of, of theologians and, and pastors, um, they 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 develop appropriately over the years, mm. and and within the generations, um, 
in this way, I would say it this way. Every generation, we learn more about the Bible. Yeah. And that's how it should be, line upon line, precept upon precept. Right. The theologians in the 60s should make it easier for the theologians in the 80s and the theologians in the 2000s. And now we should, like in 50 years, we should know so much more about the Bible than what we know now. And so that has to happen and it will happen. You are, the, the, I love the, the statement, you know, passing down the faith of the next generation, you know, of this generation to the next generation and all of that. So naturally you're going to progress theologically. The trick is not, not progressing for progress for progressive sake, but, but, ev- but building, there it is, on top of what is foundational. Right. Building, yes. Which is why we building on top of what's foundational. So it's discovering a deeper truth about the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're, we're, the generation we're living in now has been replacing truth, which I don't have time to go down that road. So with that being, as opposed to building on top of truth, with that being said, for those that have built on top of truth, They've started to understand, I think, the heart of God in a new way. And it's not everybody because you have the extreme conservatives um, that the extreme, not conserv- the extreme conservatives um, who just oh, it's this or nothing. And in that place, there tends to be churches that are not safe for those that have been divorced because there's a foundational theological view um, that has that has not built. Right. It's not taking into consideration abuse and addiction and abandonment and all of these different categories that we've said that we've discovered and that we've in the in the text um, and also in, combined with a biblical therapist as well. And so th- there are the outliers that don't have safe places. But for the most part, I would say the majority of the body of Christ and, and pastors um, have progressed, um, have built, have, have not. I have you got to be careful with that term progress. They, they, they've, they've discovered a deeper truth about it, and they're able to love people in a greater way. Right, yeah, right. Because having that theological conversation about them to prove or unprove whether or not their divorce was biblical, there might be a time for time and place for that. But what is the top priority, right, to be successful in loving them well, which would be successful in putting them to Christ, which would hopefully be successful in their relationship with Christ growing Mm. right and trying to prove or disprove their theological stance on divorce and go back in time to undo or do i just for me like in what case is that ever going to lead to someone saying man i just felt so loved by that (laughs) pastor and the way they just gracefully loved me and cared for me and because he just so just shredded my case for divorce biblically you know, it just humbled me, uh, you know, right? Like the story doesn't, it doesn't exist. tell like that. Okay. So I want to, this is so great. I want to ask a question around divorce. I want to then go into the kids element because that's important. And, but so I love where we've handled this conversation so far. It's amazing. I want to also go into, you know, are there certain red flags that maybe do pop up when you might be dating somebody who's been divorced that you should pay attention to? Because I think there is a reality that exists that um, divorced people are eventually going to want to redate potentially. And I'm a single person who's never been married and I meet someone on an app and I find out, oh, they're divorced. Okay. 
what kind of questions should I ask them? What signs should I be looking for? How do I know they're in a good, healthy, emotional state? Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious what you think about that. Are there certain red flags maybe people should look out for? Yeah, you know, I would, I'm going to, I've been answering all these questions in circles. And so I'm going to keep doing that. Because <laughs> it's, a, it's a circular topic. Um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, before <laughs> focusing on their divorce, I would focus on who they are. Yeah. Like today. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, yes, who they are. And just something as simple as, man, can we even be friends? Mm. Do I even like you? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think we have to start there and let and and I, you know, this is such a cliche, but it's kind of past, it's kind of a pastoral statement. Um, but is you we kind of have to let love lead the way a little bit and going, man, do I even like you? Do we even hang out well? Like, because if we're not careful, and I've seen people do this, if we're not careful. We won't actually get to know people and we'll allow for their past, for their past or for whatever it is that we're concerned about that's not on our list um, to determine the journey. And that is a problematic anyway, because you, you could spend so much time on their journey that you actually don't even know if you like them. And all of a sudden you're in a relationship and then you realize, oh, wait, I don't even like them. And so before we get to the their before we get to their situation, let's just put it that way. Um, let's just let's just see if we can hang out. Like let's just can we even have a normal conversation? Can, do we even have fun together? And th that was this is me and Tony's story, right? It's it's drunken love. We're just like ah, and then everything else was like okay. Now we need to focus on this, which I would say, and she would say. Um, we, we should have done a better job on, we should have done a better job on not just having a bunch of fun and going, what's wrong you know, what, what do we, what's going on with us? You know what I mean? Like Are we what's crazy? in your path? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We were just like, Oh, we love each other, which I think helped. Um, and I think a lot of singles make that mistake as well. And they let their list cancel who their potential partner could be. That's another episode. So with that being said, red flag, I'm gonna give you some big ones. Um, me and Tony, I don't think we would get, we would, me and Tony would never say um, that if we could do it all over again, we wouldn't get married. We wouldn't say that. What we would say, I believe, and, and y'all can speak for her, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speak for her. I'll let her speak for herself, but I'm assuming she would probably say this because um, we've had these dialogues. Um, we would say we probably would have waited longer. We would have. To get married. Um, this is a really, this is kind of a, it's, I wouldn't call it an extreme view. It's, it's, and excessive isn't the word, but I don't know that I would prescribe this to, to a T, but the heart of this is 100% right. So I'll tell the story. So when me and Tony um, were started dating, right, I instantly introduced her to all my friends and mentors and leaders. Andy Stanley was one of them. <laughs> Shout out. He met her. He said, I he said, man, Sam, she's great. All this. Told her the story. Da, 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 told him the story. He didn't say this to me, but 
it's understood in the North Point world that Andy kind of has a thing about if you've been divorced, wait two years before you get remarried. That's kind of his thing. Um, um, Reggie Joyner, who actually married us, said, wait a year. Okay. So he did. So I would probably say what Reggie said, not all of what Andy said, but the heart of what Andy said, I 100% agree with. You can do t- some, you can take Andy's advice or Reggie's advice. <laughs> well, uh, fun fact the average is three. The average amount of time between the divorce is signed and remarriage is three years. That's the average. Yes. yes. But like, I like that because it, I think what it gives space for and what you're maybe trying to, and I'll let you finish your thought too, but like, is, is there significant time of healing, processing, like personally before going on to another romantic situation mm. of any kind? Like, is, yes, does well, that exist? Well, 100%. And we did not listen to counsel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will say that publicly. We did not. Yeah. So three years after we had been married, I go to North Point and, uh, I sit with Andy. I just see him. You know, he he loved us through the whole thing, right? He he knew we didn't listen, and Reggie knew we didn't listen. Right? Everybody knew we didn't listen. So, but they never was like, "Y'all are crazy," right? Um, in fact, what they said when when we asked them about it was, we knew that that would be punishment enough. <laughs> they were like, "You'll figure it out. That's You'll see so why funny. we said it." Yeah, better. exactly. We don't need to. We don't need to punish you. You will know. Right. You will figure that you, out. It, yeah. It, you'll have punishment enough. Make Which sure you I, go to think. I love that. Yeah. I love, like, you don't see that <laughs> attitude too often. Like, hey, we'll talk in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. See you next Sunday. Yeah. You'll, so I go, I, I get to Andy three years in and I say, hey, hey, come here. We're, I actually, because he's on, he kind of stays on stage after he preaches. And most people can't walk. They don't walk on stage. So I just walk on stage because I'm the, I'm I'm his guest for that particular day. And we we go backstage and I said, hey, so remember that two year thing? He was like, yeah, I said, you were 100. <laughs> I said to me and Tony, and he just laughed. He said, oh, Sam. He was like, well, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved on, you know, so. I would say a big, big red flag is how much time have they, you know, and, and I don't think that that means not having to date or be friends or all of that, but I do think it means like before any engagement or like talk, you know, you maybe you can talk about it, but before any engagement or marriage, if we could do it over again, we would wait at least a year. And and can I just talk to why this is hard for singles? Because I was a single and it was hard for, I get it. But it's hard for singles because of what we don't know on the other side. And now that I'm on the other side, I want to kind of give the perspective. What we don't understand on the other side of marriage, because we haven't been married and y'all can attest to this, is one year is nothing. Yeah. Like when we're single, we're just like, oh my gosh, a year. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And that's honestly, I think the enemy, to be frankly honest. Yeah. Uh, We're just like a year. I love her. And love makes everything faster. Yes. Yeah. You think about Jacob in the 14 years Mm. with Laban. Right. It's just, 
we feel like a year is forever, and I did. And then you get married and you really start learning what forever is. And you're like, I could have waited three more years. Because <laughs> you're, it's like, I'm going to be with you for the next 90 years, 80 years, 70. That's a long time. And, 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 um, and I th- I've heard this about sex, but I also think this is true with marriage. You know, when, when, when we got married, and this is stuff, I'm going to write a book called 10 Things I Wish I Would Have Known Before I Got Married. I'm not doing it yet. I'm waiting like a couple years, five years, <laughs> maybe 20, maybe 10 more years. Um, but in it, you know, one of the things that we heard that people didn't tell us until we got married is before you get married, the enemy, we're talking about the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy I've come, you may have life, have more abundantly. The enemy wants to do everything he can do to get you to have sex. And then after you get married, he wants to do everything he can do to keep you from having sex. And it's so true, right? This is why people, when they talk about getting married, I, I, I was listening to a bunch of people that are in the secular world, like famous people. When they talk about marriage today, it's like, oh, marriage is so boring. You don't even, you get married and you just stop having sex. And for the most part, that's true for some, for a lot of people, but it's an attack from the enemy. The enemy wants, does not want you to worship together in this way. And so he's fighting that. But I think it's the same with waiting. I think the enemy wants to get you married fast so you can get unmarried quick. And um, and so and so for me, I would just encourage the singles out there, hey, a year is nothing compared to forever. Now, you can't hear that right now, but I'm begging you to. Because <laughs> I couldn't hear it. Yeah. So I get it. But I'm hoping that I'm saying something that will resonate. So true. We're like, that sounds great. And all the singles are like, okay, on to the next podcast. Like, <laughs> No, but it is so true. I mean, I could have married a lot of guys that I dated or wanted to marry a lot of guys I dated. Yeah. And I wanted that to happen really fast. And then true colors were revealed or things happened. Right. And it's like, wow, I'm really glad in retrospect that it took as long as it did to me. One thing that we do love to say is you've never heard a Christian couple sit down, look at each other and look at you and say, man, we really regret about how wise we were and how long we waited to really make sure that this was the right decision. A hundred. You will never in your life hear that phrase. But what will you hear, Sam? The opposite. You will hear. You will hear. A little bit more. (laughs) You will hear for the rest of your life. We really regret. Rushing. I really regret. Uh, How fast. How quickly. Yeah. How urgently. So I also want to touch on the kids thing. I don't want to like give it no time, but um, I do think that's another part of your story. It's another part of, you know, many people that have kids have been previously married. Some of them have not. Um, But, you know, you met Tony, you found out she was a single parent. You said earlier that was not necessarily something you were thinking about. Like you were like, "Mm, I'm really thinking I want a kid right now. Right. This isn't like what my picture. I didn't really consider this in my life. Uh, (laughs) And that is really sad because a lot of people make that actually a deal breaker. Like if someone has kids, nope, deal breaker. And I would say, unless you are saying to yourself, I never want to be a parent ever. Okay, sure. Maybe that's a deal breaker. But if you do want to be a parent, 
why is that a deal breaker? I don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts on on why you think singles make this such a big deal. Well, and it is a big deal to clarify. It, it is a big deal to come into somebody's life. Like, but I mean, why they make it such a big deal to eliminate somebody because they have a kid. Well, let's talk, let's talk red flags with this for a second. Um, it is a big deal because it's a blended family. And whenever you have blended families, you know, it's just a new added element. The thing about marriage is, and you guys know this, but I'm just talking to our singles. Um, talk, you know, it's work. You got to work hard at marriage. I always say it's the hardest and greatest thing you'll ever do. So that's the hope, and that's also the reality. You know, it's it's the it's because you've got somebody that you know will ride for you forever, and it's your partner, right? It not in crime, but in you know ministry, you know, but. Um, and it's, so it's, that's the beauty of it is like, man, unconditional. Um, but it's the hardest thing too, because it's, you know, it's marriage is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you holy. And in making you holy, you become happy. Right. So those are the, that's the thing. So with that being said, um, it's already work. So you add in a kid overnight and, a someone else you have to collaborate with who didn't work in the first place. You got to now figure that out. And then that's a new dynamic. And I believe that, you know, the therapist would say the more dynamics you have in your relationship, the harder the relationship is, the more dynamics. What's, what's a dynamic, a kid was a dynamic, a stepdad. What's the, I mean, a biological dad, uh, What's the dynamic? Um, in-laws, yeah. another dynamic. Oh, you travel all the time. Yeah. Oh, you do this. Yeah. Oh, you got, you're president of the United States. Like th- these are dynamics in marriage, right? It's like the more dynamic, the more dynamics and the more dynamic your marriage is, the harder it's going to be to work through, the more difficult, the more complex. Mm. That's not to say that you don't have hope. The question is, do you have capacity? Right. Which is a whole, which is another conversation. And, um but I do think that's a part of it. But go ahead, please, JJ. Well, I was just going to say, you know, because you mentioned that idea when you were talking to the men about uh, what you can do to prepare for marriage. And you you say, you know, marriage is going to be difficult. Throw in financial challenges and issues, and you're going to make it 10 times more difficult. And that is an added element, an added mm-hmm. challenge. I mean, my mind goes to like an... Uh, you got a big obstacle course in front of you that that is marriage. That's going to be grueling. Yeah. It's going to be challenging throwing in a kid in there and a blended family. You're adding in like a, you know, <laughs> one of those huge Marine rope ladders. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're going to be traveling all the time. Well, here's another oh, you huge... struggle perpetually with depression or mental health. Issues. Right. Okay. That's a dynamic. Like yes. You're going to face that and it's going to be in that obstacle course. So you kind of get to choose ahead of time. Like, it's not a question of if this is going to be there and it's going to be challenging and it's going to require a ton of character, endurance, wisdom, patience. So just be prepared ahead of time because it will it will be a challenge. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but like it that and that for me is wisdom. Yeah. And that's wisdom for me. You look at a person, you see their story, you see the kid with them, you see that they may be still healing from this abusive marriage. I know that if I pursued 
and date and marry this person, it is going to be more challenging than marrying another person. Just that is the realistic, you know, and there's hope That's in that what you too. probably thought too in marrying me. Absolutely. To an extent, I read like... Kate's book and <laughs> when I saw, you know, like there was emotional abuse, there was physical abuse, like there was huge big T, capital T trauma in her past that was external. Let alone things I don't write about in the book because I can't. Right. You know? you know, like for me, I'm like, well, she's amazing in who she is today. And this is also still part of her story and there are scars and there is trauma. And I know that if I do pursue and, you know, marry her, there is going to be challenges that come with that. Mm -hmm. Like it's not all right. right? It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but you're marrying there. If you have zero emotional capacity, if you were a man with zero emotional capacity, that would not be a good fit. Right. But you know, (laughs) Sam, if I had to put myself in your shoes, you probably had somewhat of an idea that was, you know, maybe, you know, blinded by infatuation, but you're a pastor, like you're, you're not ignorant or unwise. Yeah. I think in regards to, you know, one, one, I knew for the most part, what I was walking into aside from the time piece. And I think the, the waiting, um, was more important uh, one to set us up for better success in the first few years um, because it was dark and we talk about that all the time. Um, that was the punishment that Andy and Reggie knew would be coming. You're walking into the cave, brother, um, by just not waiting. And I actually think it was one, it was unfair to Tony and it was unfair to me. It was unfair to, but it really was unfair to, it was unfair to both of us. And here's why Tony should not have to heal in a new marriage because she needs time. Like she went through so much in her first, it would have been better for her. And I, and I found myself in the there, all of us apologizing, even to her of like, man, I'm sorry. You have to like try to figure out how to <laughs> fast track trusting again and all of these things, because I need you to do that because we married now. Right. And it's like, and, and she can't be like, well, you married me, so I, I give me time to trust you. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's almost right. like her healing had this new external pressure from the demands of you and marriage. And it's not, and it's not, it's 100% not fair. Right. To her, for me to be like, well, just get it together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think it wasn't fair to her, what she would agree with. And also, obviously, not fair to me, because now I'm like in this new thing and I'm having to go through. And so, um, I didn't get the short end of the stick. We both did. Mm. And so that's one of the things we would say, you know, kind of in the waiting, but to, to talk kids and why, and what I think it comes down to for those that are listening, that are going, all right, cool. So what's the red flag? (laughs) (laughs) I would say, I mean, we've given you the outline, but I think what it all comes down to at the end of the day is the woman or the man that you're talking to. The reason, and and this is what changed for me immediately, because I didn't, want, I did not want to marry a woman with a kid. She mm. knows this. Um, we talked about it. It all went out of the window when I met her. And so, and it all went out of the window because I'm like, well, if I'm gonna get this, 
huh, I'll deal with whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was just. <laughs> and so, and I knew that she would, and th- and this, these were the, and can I we'll go into a little bit of our journey? Because we've actually not had a problem with Dylan and her ex. We had like one issue in the beginning. We crushed it. And since like that, it was, as we've not had a problem at all. Um, but that was a part of it for me. It was, who is Tony going to be and how can her and I collaborate on this situation with her, on the child? And so I had a few things that I needed and that I said were deal breakers for me if we were going to do this. And one was, hey, here's the order, right? It's, it's if, you know, we have, a, we have a belief system of biblical marriage. And so that's the nuclear family. That's husband and wife. But it also is spiritual headship from the male. And so that doesn't mean extreme submission because that's what that's what it's meant for years. Right. Well, spiritual headship from the man means the woman is a slave. It's like that's not what we're talking about. What we how we describe biblical marriage and submission at our church is about um, uh, when we can agree who gets the last say. And in some cases, but we're going to do everything we can to agree. And in some cases, we like to say this all the time. If we don't agree, we don't move forward. Right. So that's that's one of the cases as well. But there are times and moments in which decisions have to be made because the family has to move forward. And in that case, when a decision has to be made, the man is held responsible. We say that ultimately the man is held responsible for this health and the spiritual depth of the relationship. The woman plays a part, obviously. Right. So it's not a cop out on any side. So with that being said, you know, my biggest thing was, hey, if I'm leaving the house spiritually, you know, I, I need the last say so on what we do in our house and what we don't do. And so that includes Dylan. So when she's here, these are the rules of the house. That I, And she was like, cool, you know. And so that agreement was very important for her and I. I needed to know that I could lead. And I believe she needed to know that she could trust me to lead and, tr- and, and trust me with the decisions. And so in, in that regard, now it's her daughter, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Like we also had to come to an agreement on that. I'm like, look, it's it's biologically right. She's my daughter in terms of I've inherited this. I'm stepdad. I'm bonus yeah. dad. I'm all of these things. But if we go biological, right, like she's her biological mother and her ex is the biological father. And so with that being said, she has to have last say so on Dylan in terms right. of discipline and all that. I have last say so on house. Yes. Does that yeah. make that sense? sense. Yeah. Makes total so, sense. So, so with that being so, so with that being said, those are you know, if we couldn't agree on that, red flag. Right. That's so good. So good. Because that was that conversation was happening when you guys were like, okay, we're seriously considering this, and yes. since we're seriously considering this, this is a a huge practical reality that we have to talk about, which is really awesome, Sam, because you weren't a dad before that. And that was something like looking to the future you knew could be a big issue and was important for you and for her Yes, mm. and the family. Yes. And yeah. I'll say this as we, you know, just to put a bow on this and then Kate is getting ready to jump in because I, and I want to hear what she's going to say. And it's because it's always brilliant. Um, uh, uh, sometimes that, what that, what that dynamic produces is, is, is clashes sometimes or overlaps, not necessarily clashes, but overlaps. Sometimes, her 
what she might want for Dylan may clash with what I want for the household, right? And in that sense, right, this is a, this is where it plays out. The household would trump what's happened. Does that make sense? And, and but it, when it's outside of this house and this family and there, you know, da 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 da, then that's a whole different situation. But that also starts to get, um, t- you know, tough when it comes to what you know what's representing our family. To then that would be an overlap, right? But me and her float really well on that. And so those are the things that, um, you know, all right, I'm done. I just wanted to put a bow on it. No, that's no, great. That's good. That's good. My house, my rules. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's crazy. JJ loves this. JJ loves that. Now, okay, for the person who's listening, the single who's like, okay, great. Like, I feel a little justified here. You know, it's a new dynamic. It's a big dynamic. And I'm just, I'm not cool with that. I'm not ready for that. Like, um, I feel like a lot of singles are like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> And maybe, maybe you truly aren't. I, I, but, but also, uh, I just want to challenge that way of thinking to an extent because I think people are like, that's not my story or that's not for me. I don't think I'm ready for that. But I, I don't, I think there's a little bit of a cop out in that. Like I'm using this to eliminate people and I'm copping out from actually trying to challenge myself when this could be, if God is calling me to this, this could be amazing versus no, I'm not even going to consider them because I'm not ready for that. You know what I'm saying? Well, well let's go pastoral for a second and then, I, and then I'm going to go back. Hey, to yeah. It's God loves us in our mess. I love a statement that a pastor always says, God, Jesus always ran towards the mess. And yet we find ourselves canceling people because of their mess. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise. I'm not saying you shouldn't take inventory because it's very important. Who this is one of this is one of the only choices that God actually gives us theologically. You choose your husband and wife. Um, and I'm gonna bless it, right? Um, so you need to be responsible with your choice. But I think all we're saying is don't. I love this analogy that I'm about to give. It just came in my mind. You don't have to hire them for the job, but don't not interview them. Right. Ah. Yeah. I think in our minds, we think, well, I got to hire them. Take your time and interview them. I think the problem that you're talking about, Kate, is people are not even interviewing people. Right. They're divorced, not interviewing them. They have kids, like, not interviewing them. Like swipe left on the dating app. And that that's what I mean. That's where it comes yeah. down to you. Uh, oh, nope, nope, deal breaker. Nope, sorry. Instead of even giving them a shot. Like my whole thing in dating JJ was date the unexpected. You never know what God is going to do in the unexpected. And like just because it may not have been what you thought your story would be right it's usually not ps like it's usually not usually when you ask married couples do you think you were going to marry this person or this would be your story they're like no <laughs> i never would have thought this was going to be my story right um but how do they get there they get there by being open to the unexpected amen i, I you know my personal theology is we all have a disney story <laughs> For our life. Right. And the only thing I can think of is, thank God that I did not get my Disney story because he knew what was better for me and his plan is way better than mine. And um, I think, you know, you guys hit the nail on the head, like give them an interview, see who they are today 
get curious about their journey. Um, and then Sam, you had some really, really awesome practical wisdom about what you need to be aware of. Like what are going to be those big, right? Barriers. What are going to be those big hills to climb in that obstacle course that we call marriage? Right. Yeah. And I, I think as we, I feel like we're rounding third base. Yeah. It's one of the things I love to end with, uh, you know, which I feel like we're there. Uh, you nodded. So I went, okay, cool. Um, it, what I'd love to, the, some final thoughts I'd love to leave us with as it pertains to this is, I think the actual issue with many of us, if we're being honest, I've been doing, it, it are these a few things. I've been doing a ton of like interviewing lately. Yeah. Um, for church, like staff. Yeah, yeah. And what I've discovered throughout our team is interviewing people is hard. And... I think for, for some of us, it's not necessarily if we were to get to the heart and the root of the, okay, the cop out, right? To Kate's point, uh, they divorce. I think at the root of many of our, you know, our struggles around this topic is we actually aren't great at hiring people. I was talking to an HR specialist literally last night about some people I was interviewing and, and, um, <laughs> We, we were talking about if having a lap, if having, and I interviewed somebody, they didn't have a laptop. And I was like, is that a red flag? Like, we were just like going in. I'm like, can you call me on your laptop? You know, and they're like, uh, I don't have a laptop. I'm like, ah, is this over? You know, and she's like, no, sometimes they're going through this situation. Sometimes they had to work laptop. So she's like walking me through this. And so I was navigating the difficulty of interviewing. Um, but one of the things that, that she said is, she said, don't ever pity hire. And what she was talking about was the fact that many individuals, they'll hear somebody's story and they actually have a problem with hiring people because they feel bad for them. So they hire them because they feel bad for them and they want to try to help fix their life. And they're all, oh, I'll just hire you. And it's the worst hire, right? And, and, and the issue is not the person they hired. The issue is, they don't know how to hire. They have a hard time hiring people. And I think this is what's happening with a lot of our singles out there. It's like, I just want to go for the cop out because I don't want to actually have to deal with the fact that I'm a people pleaser and that I want to be the hero. And that's the problem. The problem is actually when, when somebody tells you they have a red flag, you hire them anyway. <laughs> because So you don't even want to put yourself in that position because you're like, well, I'm not strong enough to to, to let people have live in their difficulty and say, hey, this is not for me. So you don't even want to go down the process and you're missing out. And I think the word of the Lord, if we were to get, come on, pastoral, the word of the Lord, I think for a lot of singles in these situations is you got to learn how to interview better. And you got to learn how to hire better. And you're trying to run away from the growth that comes with becoming a person that knows how to hire really well that knows, and let's let's use language. You got to learn how to date well. You got to learn how to say no better. You got to learn how to wait. You got to learn how to be okay with being in love with somebody, but also saying, you know what? They're not the best for me. And and pressing pause. But the issue is, we hire people because, well, I just need somebody in the role. Yep, yep. I just need it right now. So. Yep. 
Anyway, I'm done there. I used a really, I stretched that analogy really you hard. You did, no, but it I was good. It's good. <laughs> you know, dang, so. I skipped right past the interview for most of my exes and just went straight to your hired. <laughs> <laughs> we need, we need, hey, we need a guy in the mailroom no today. Just, yes. <laughs> in the mailroom. <laughs> I'll pick you. You have a tattoo. You sing. Perfect. I want you. I want you in. You, you look, I like the leather jacket, nice shoes. You're in. It's like, Good style. Stack of stack of letters over there. Get to work. <laughs> can we can we start with a with a trial period? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Give me yeah. ninety days. We need can more we, internships, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we need more interns, okay? Yeah, we yes. really do. Yes. Well, this and an so internship good. is just that. It's an internship. Mm-hmm. All right. There's no guarantee. Well, Sam. Thank you so much, man. I mean, even as someone who's really, really struggled through, you know, the case for the divorce, having some kind of, you know, guidance, I think you did an amazing job with a really, really difficult subject. And um, we just appreciate your perspective from the pastoral point, and then even the personal, you and you and Tony are so challenging in the sense of, you know, the extent that you guys can be transparent and clear about where you made mistakes is so helpful to serve the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, that's our policy. Hey, if we can be transparent about this and we're not in the middle of it, we're going to be transparent about it if it serves the body yeah. uh, in that sense. So I love how you didn't get your Disney storybook life. There's been tons of hurdles and things that you never expected. But it's more amazing than you can ever imagine. Amen. Yeah. And you've grown more as a man than you probably ever imagined. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and I got to be, I got to be a part of a, of a great story. I mean, look at Tony. Yes. Amen. Amen. I mean, she's the, I'm not, I'm not her hero, you know, but I, I, it's been an honor to partner to, to see what God's doing with her all around the world. And and that wasn't happening before we got together because of the difficulty of what she was going through. Right. Yeah, and so, well, to be, you know, so. One plus one equals three, man. Like, I see <laughs> it, it all over right? you guys. So thank you so much, Sam. We love you. You are family. And we just appreciate you so much, bro. Love y'all. Heart of dating. Story Church, check them out, Atlanta. Let's go. (laughs) The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating digital marketing coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our brand and community manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week.